Okay, welcome into Sun Saturday. I'm Tyler Rojack here with Luke Smith after yet another crushing loss for Notre Dame. Uh, in a conference championship game, that might be a once-in-a-lifetime deal. The result was all too familiar for Irish fans as Notre Dame got blown out 34-10, to and honestly, that score might not even do it justice. We don't have a guest today. Uh, we didn't want to subject anyone else to this level of misery we're feeling now and have felt over the past couple of days. So we'll talk about how we watched, then we'll get into what went wrong in the game and maybe even compare it to other devastating losses in years past. Uh, if you're looking for another Spins of Saturday segment where we try to turn this into a positive, you came to the wrong place. Uh, we're extending the patented 24-hour rule a little bit longer to sulk and process everything. Uh, but we will be back next week to get you ready for the playoff game against Alabama. And so, Luke, on that note, you know, if you had told me before the season we would split games with Clemson and make it to the playoff, I would have been ecstatic. Yet here I am, and I'm quite the opposite. Yeah, I don't know how long this is going to be. I mean, how many different ways can you say this awful, this is this sucks, but um, I, I guess I'll try to put it into words a little bit. Just, like, just so on brand. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I just go back into the 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 flow of Saturday, <laughs> like, pregame, posting just, like, a million stupid stories on Snapchat that everyone's reposting. I honestly don't think we've ever won a game the day I post the Piglet and Winnie the Pooh one where it's like today's the day we burn this down like and so I should probably keep that in mind for the Bama game once I talk myself into that one um but like just just so classic you know we're, we're having a great time for the game really just on cloud nine like we were at this bar clutch and just like you know every other big game you're you're having as much fun as you have in the longest time and then we just go out there and, and get smacked and that's my biggest takeaway about all of these big games you know the November 7th one notwithstanding because they're all so damn fun and until the game happens. Yeah, I'm done. I officially retired from going to big games. I even said it um, in the last one. I apologize to the Notre Dame fan base like, with my tongue in cheek. But secretly, when my friends were asking me, like, you know, how do I feel about this game and stuff, I would just tell them, like, hey, look, I'm going to be there. So odds are you should hammer Clemson first half, Clemson over, Clemson spread, and Clemson money line. If you could get that all in at once – go ahead and do it because my presence alone is just, I don't know, man, it's the kiss of death. You know, I've been fortunate to go to three postseason games for Notre Dame. And while that's awesome, you know, I'm very grateful to have been able to do that. I'm 0-3 by an average margin of defeat is like 25 points. <laughs> so I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. You can keep going. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, I'm not going to Dallas, but I'm sure I'll be in Dallas, which is a mistake and a half. But like, I got to say, like, yeah, you know, I've had my two days of just like feeling like a, a buffoon, but I, I don't even feel like the biggest buffoon of the weekend. And, and this got brought back to my attention earlier tonight, and I need to bring it up. Um, a friend of mine, Emmett Coyle, was at that bar with us, and he's a Jets fan. And so he brought a Jets flag to that game and was walking up to Clemson fans, telling them, like, at least this is his last game so he can prepare for the NFL draft. And he was waving the Jets flag around, starting a Jets chant at the bar. Not only did we get 30-piece, the Jets lose yesterday and probably knocked themselves out of the tank for Trevor race, which is just also fitting, just like a really great sports weekend. And it made me feel a little bit better about myself because I didn't go to quite extreme heights. Um... But yeah, I mean, it sucked. There's, there's just no two ways about it. Um, uh, I, I need some time still to, to get ready for this, this Bama game against these, this super team of you know monsters. But we'll, we'll figure that out when the time comes. 
How good is Lawrence, though? As it turns out, missing the number one overall pick and potentially greatest quarterback that we've ever seen in college. <laughs> Apparently that matters in that show on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I guess it mattered. I think he, <laughs> you think? I think the other side of the ball was worse, like, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, they, like, had four touchdowns of 30-plus yards. Like, what the hell is that? Just so uncharacteristic for this defense. I think absolutely Clark Lee getting that job was a distraction. Like, I can't do my normal, like, job in this, like, podcast that, like, some people listen to both effectively. Like, how's <laughs> Clark Lee supposed to prepare for the best player in college football while getting a new job? I, like, it's just – it's impossible. Um, and, you know – yeah, he makes a difference. Like, that guy's going to be the number one pick, and I think he should be the Heisman Trophy winner. He's not going to be. It's going to be one of those three-headed monsters at Alabama. But, dude, when he's on the field, they're just they're completely different. Yeah, he finished 25-36, 322 yards, two TDs and a pick, but that pick was off deflection. I mean, he was just unbelievable running it as well. He finished with 14 carries, 90 yards. We said in the preview that we expected Clemson to utilize him as a runner. They did early and often. He actually finished with more carries than ETN. He only had 10, but he's just so dynamic. And um, I saw in the post game him talking about that first touchdown pass to Amari Rogers and just how he went through his progression on that play. He recognized pre-snap that uh, Kyle Hamilton was going to be covering the deep third in that area, took the snap. He knew Hamilton was going to be looking at his eyes, so he looked right, looked him off, and then just found Rodgers just torching Sean Crawford on his way to the end zone. It's just little things like that, that a three-year starter at quarterback, and like I said, the number one overall pick and everything, it's the little things that are going to add up. And we weren't able to really quantify them before the game. You know, how much is that going to matter? And as it turns out, it mattered quite a whole lot. And we, we came into this game thinking Notre Dame had one of the best defenses in the country. And then he cut through him like Swiss cheese. He did. Um, I don't really know how many other ways you can cut that. Like, it just, yeah, he, he tore us up. And then the other side of the ball, Ian Book regressed a year and a half. So um, he needs to figure it out in the next <laughs> – Nine days, ten days. I don't. I don't even think he played. Okay, he was running for his life, and when I watched the game back a little, I couldn't even. You watched the game back? Why? (laughs) I was watching like some key plays and big third downs, and I'd scrub through all like the other stuff. I did not make it through the fourth quarter, but I wanted to see just because it's different, you know. Like we're in the crowd seeing it as opposed to watching it like on TV. You don't see as much, especially like we were in the end zone. And our depth perception is a little off from where we were. So I wanted to see how everything looked. And I just, I don't really think he played that bad because no one was open. Nobody was open. That was apparent from the stands. Yeah. He didn't play well. He did. Nobody played well. He did not play well. We put ourselves in some really bad spots. We were in a ton of third and longs, which then, you know, you give Venables a bunch of third and longs and he's just going to tee off on quarterback. A lot on some third and 11s, like the moment book touch the ball he's getting pressured he's got to run around he had 10 carries for negative 35 yards because he's getting sacked every other play Kyron Williams only finished with 15 carries at 50 yards and half of them came on one run so he didn't have a very good game like you said no one really played well you can spread it around you can't point the finger at any one player in particular just an overall bad effort and I think it comes down to the fact that you know Clemson, not only do they have the best players in the country, they also have the best coaching staff. And we might have got a little cocky after we beat Tony Elliott and Brent Venables one time, but you give them a whole 60 minutes, well, actually more than 60 minutes on tape, plus another month uh, to prepare. And 
look, I mean, they just completely outcoached us, and uh, it was apparent from the very beginning of the game till the end. Yeah, I mean, we don't lose very often anymore, but when we do, we do. Um, <laughs> we sure make them count. I that's mean, for sure. my God, like it's pretty much every loss we have is just a program questioning loss, like just sends everybody spiraling back to earth. And Saturday's no exception. Do you um, really think it's a program questioning loss? Like, like how do you reevaluate the team after a loss like that? Well, just from the outside looking in, in that every time Notre Dame loses a game, it's like this makes you question everything. From everybody in the national media says this, and they discredit anything they've ever done. So, in that sense itself, it is. And like, listen, you miss a twenty-four yard field goal, and then drop a fourth and two where you have a chance to to go up again. And the whole team just falls apart. Like, what the hell is that? I just, I, it's pathetic to me um, and was really disheartening. That said, it did make the difference in the game. I think they were going to run us off the field regardless, the way that they seem destined to. But it's just, it's so frustrating. Like, you, you can't get on these stages time and time again and just get blown off the field. Like, I don't know how we haven't figured that out by now. And we can talk all day about how Alabama and Clemson are operating at a different level than everybody else, but listen like when you're on this stage like every year you know at least once or twice like you just can't get blown out like that it's that simple yeah I think what makes this one so hard is I really still think this is a really good team like I don't come out of this game thinking oh we suck like in 2012 you walk out of that game saying oh okay like this team was not that good won a lot of close games against lesser teams and we ended up undefeated and here we are getting exposed I don't feel like in this game after this, you know, everything that Notre Dame accomplished this season is all for naught. Like, and this kind of is what makes November 7th so great was that it felt like we had bridged the gap. Finally, we showed up on a big stage. We were able to beat Clemson without Lawrence. And I was like, okay, we still might not be, you know, with them and like throughout the 85-man roster, but we're up there now. We can play with those guys. And then after a game like this, you're just reminded that that gap between Clemson and Alabama and you know, I'm going to put Ohio State in there. We'll find out in two weeks if they still belong there, at least this year. But it's just a reminder that that gap is still pretty damn large, and I don't know if or when we'll ever be able to completely bridge it in the way that we all wish. The other difference is that we've never had a second chance within a season to make up for an absolute egg of a performance. Like, you think back, obviously 2012, national championship game, season's over. Uh 20 I mean people call that Ohio State Fiesta Bowl game a blowout I don't really think it was that no I don't count that we were playing like our four string yeah yeah yeah, but regardless end of the season 2018 uh or 2017 Miami like season's over after that effectively 2018 Cotton Bowl obviously season's over Michigan game last year like there was nothing left to play for after that we've never still been in the conversation like to, to you know oh we still have a chance at winning the national championship after getting blown out like that in in a season now we've never had to play the best team in college football after that either in the same season but but what i will say and i kind of just went against this a little bit i think people often forget that notre dame rarely gets blown out back to back in big games <laughs> there we go there's the spin okay <laughs> i was looking for it i was like i think you're teeing it up and there it is you landed it perfectly <laughs> now as i say this like i also like and this is also as i'm thinking about like okay I guess I should probably book a flight to Dallas and, and figure out the logistics of that. But you know what it reminds me, actually, of um, I am the dumbest idiot on the planet. And, like, I was thinking of this earlier. 
One time, my sophomore year of high school, we had a baseball game, and it was a road game, like 35 minutes away. And part of the duty for every road game was making sure that we brought the batting helmets with us. There was one kid on our team who was just like a bench player, just kind of always brought the helmets. The game before this game, he gets in, like in you know late innings when we're up by a lot, and hits a home run, which is shocking. And I guess he got kind of high on himself because <laughs> he forgot the helmets for the road game. And we're like 20 minutes into this bus ride, and we realize we don't have the helmets. So we get to the field, and I'm like, somebody's, somebody's got to tell the coach that we don't have the helmets. I happen to be like the starting pitcher that day. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do it, I guess, because, like, worst case, he's not going to blow up at me. And he doesn't. Like, he just tells me to sit on in the dugout. And, like, I just sit there, and he makes the rest of the team just run poles for the hour of the game because <laughs> like, they forgot the helmets. And then he calls everybody up, and he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. You guys, as a team, are going to walk over to the opposing dugout and say – we are all fucking idiots. We forgot our fucking helmets. May we please borrow some of yours? And like now, as I'm booking like this flight, I'm thinking I am such a fucking idiot. Why am I thinking about going back to Dallas when I know exactly what's going to happen? Yeah, I really, I really don't even know what to say to you. I can't. Be- I mean, I I can totally believe you're going back because you have a disease, but. It's just like at what point is it just like all right I'm done I can't I can't take this anymore. Do you have a line? I don't even want to know if you do because like if we ever get there that might be even worse. It's even more terrifying. Well, I'm there like right now, but like I know tomorrow morning when I wake up I'm going to feel better about it. Not better about our odds, but just like how many like if I can make this work. Uh I don't want to miss a Notre Dame Alabama game. I don't want to miss a Notre Dame playoff game. And when we lose by 100, like, January 2nd is going to be the worst day of my life. But I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it is it's it's an illness, and um, there there is no, you know, cure for it. it it's, it's completely chronic. It is kind of weird, too, that this is, like, the perfect scenario for the college football playoff because they get Notre Dame and Alabama, what should be the Rose Bowl in California. You think about how cool this could be in normal circumstances. If things are normal – I mean, going to a Notre Dame game at the Rose Bowl is definitely number one if, or two on my bucket list. It's always something I've wanted to go to a Rose Bowl for a long time, and seeing Notre Dame and Alabama in there would just be like, it's almost too good to be true, uh, probably because it is. Alabama would <laughs> destroy us even more, I feel like, if I were at that game. But it's really something that I've been thinking about lately is, on one hand, if you're a guy on the team every single day, every second over the next two weeks, you're going to hear about um, how much you suck, or at least how much you suck in comparison to Alabama. And on one hand, you got to think that like that's going to piss off the team, that's going to motivate them, and maybe will lead to them playing well on Saturday. But there's also a very real possibility that the team might lose a little bit of faith. I mean, this has been an extremely long, grueling season, probably the hardest one any of them ever had or ever will have. And it's sort of at the finish line, and now they're playing, like you said, the Monstars in Alabama. I don't really know what to expect out of this team um, in two weeks, and we'll get. I don't even want to get into the full game preview. <laughs> yeah, because we gotta we gotta work on talking ourselves into a victory before we get. to Yeah, because I'm I'm not even close to that right now. But seriously, like, what do you think the mindset of the team is after you get a loss like that one that um, a lot of guys have felt before? And like you said, now they got to do it again. Like now they have to play another game right after that. That's even bigger than the one before against a team that's either as good, if not better. I mean, it, it's got to be tough, right? But, like, you know, you see that video of 
uh, the Goog today and Dick Butkus, like, giving the award to Wu, and, like, the whole room's, like, blowing up. Like, they didn't seem like a funeral, like, you know, I'm sure all of our homes have been the last couple days. Like, I think it's (laughs) way worse for the people that have no impact on the games than the people who actually have an opportunity, right, to do something. And to your point, I think they still think they're a really good team. Because they are. We're not saying they're not. Yeah, and and they are. They are. But, like, you know, who covers Devonta Smith and Meshi? I have no idea. Um, like, and that's nothing against any of our defensive backs. Like, those guys, like, they, they're just – they're yeah. on a different level. But, yeah, and, and the two weeks of buildup, like, where you've just, you know, embarrassed yourself on a national stage and people have already forgotten what happened on November 7th, I think it does. It can only be fuel, right? Um, but fuel can only go so far. And really what it comes down to is, is figuring out something that's going to give us a shot on January 1st. And I don't know what that is yet. But whatever it is, I, I trust that the veterans in that locker room can figure it out. We'll go with that. I like that. You think the Clark Lee thing is a distraction. He's here for another two weeks. It definitely did feel weird being there on Saturday and then seeing the Notre Dame defense get carved up, and then Sunday morning seeing pictures from him in suit and tie at the Vanderbilt press conference. Obviously, you know, we like we said, we're very happy for him and happy he has that opportunity at his alma mater, but that did feel a little bit weird, just like getting beat that bad and then seeing him at somewhere else the next day. It's like seeing you and your ex-girlfriend, you guys end on good terms, and the next day she's got another boyfriend, and you're like, oh, no, like, I, it's cool, but... That sucks. <laughs> yeah, thank God that's never happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, like you said. I, I think that is the, the silver lining, and that is the only silver lining of this entire thing, is that there is another shot this season in a game that matters. And, like, listen, I don't know who said this. It was somebody trying to pump hope into me. We were going to have to beat Alabama to win the national championship anyway, so we may as well do it on January 1 instead of January 11th in Miami, huh? Like, let's just get it. Let's get it done now. Get it over with, and then we might get a three P or get the three match against Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, it's hard to beat a good team twice, right? Didn't we decide that? So it's yeah. going to be hard for Clemson to beat us twice. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, that one, um, that was tough, but, like, I will say this. I don't think it actually even ranks in like my top five of, of worst losses that I've seen. Yeah, let's do our top five. So you go first. Are we do are we doing top five that we were at or just top five that we've ever endured? Let's say that we were at. Okay. Okay. If that All works right. for you. Unless you'd rather do just total. No, no, no. Let's do that. I can do that. Okay. So shockingly, um, Saturday's not even in my top five, which I think says more about me and how many I've been to than anything. Um and I think in order uh, number one is the Bush Push game in 2005. I not a, it'll be hard to imagine anything to t- topping that because I still think of what how awesome that could have been for eight year old me if we had actually come out on top that day like we should have. And then followed by um, Bama in 2012. I like that that one is just you know crushing right. And then we have my, my, Miami in 2017, Michigan last year actually, and Clemson 2015, and. I think games are much more crushing for me when they're actually close. So, like, maybe that's partially why Saturday's not in it, uh, 2018 Cotton Bowl's not in it. But I kind of have to include Bama 2012 as an exception to that rule um, because that was kind of the first of many to come, if you will. And yeah. it was just such a traumatic event that I still remember pretty much every detail, even though it occurred before I even had a driver's license. 
Um, and yeah. like in a lot of ways, like I think it still defines this program, at least from the national perspective. Like it still comes up all the time, despite the fact that the current players in this game that'll be playing on January 1st were in middle school for that game, right? Um, and of course, I just have to include Miami and Michigan on that list because those were so shocking and just like I didn't see them coming. And I was surrounded by just awful people that are Miami and Michigan fans that I probably could have been arrested. So, like, those were just traumatic experiences in their own right. But I think that's how it goes for me. Like, Saturday, knowing in the back of my mind we might have another shot, even though I'm not really ready for it, I think ease this one a little bit. And, um, and, and frankly, that we'd beaten them on November 7th. I don't care who played. We still have that one. That's true. How much – okay, before I get into mine, I want to hear that from you. Like, you were there on November 7th. You were also there for last Saturday. How much does that take away in your mind, uh, the November 7th game? It doesn't take away pretty much anything for me. Like, it really doesn't. Even when you look back on it, you won't think of it any differently because DJ was a starter and they're clearly a much different team with Trevor? No. I mean, I wish we didn't have to play them twice, but that's pretty much... Like, I wish we didn't even have to experience that, obviously. But, like, I don't know. That Notre Dame team on November 7th, seemed just, like, really destined and, like, super just locked in on what the, the task at hand was. Um, I kind of got that same feel from Clemson on Saturday, honestly, um, and it showed. Now, obviously, that's where the talent gap shows up a little bit as well, but it doesn't take away from it at all. Like, they beat the number one team in the country, and I was there, and I've been waiting for that my whole life. So I don't care who, did, who didn't play, who did play. Like, it, it doesn't take away from it at all. And, and people that say otherwise, like, that's their own opinion, but I, I just disagree with it. Yeah, I think for me, it definitely takes away from it a little bit right now. Um, I don't know if that'll change as time goes by, but you're right. Like In the moment, knowing how awesome that was, it truly was great. And yeah, Notre Dame played their A game that night. Like Clemson doesn't need to play their A game to beat us. Like That's just a talent gap. They don't need to do that. So I don't even think we saw Clemson's A game um, necessarily, but they definitely came out locked in and ready to go. And they, they had a chip on their shoulder too. Skalski said in the post game that, I don't know the exact quote, but he basically suggests that Notre Dame players had said some stuff that they probably wish they had taken back. I don't really know what he was talking about there. I, I really, I, I really disagree with that. Like, I don't know what he was talking about. I thought we were super respectful to Clemson. Yeah. Some moron in the replies was like, Oh, well, like, Notre Dame students, like, when they stormed the field, were taking video of, like, Trevor and Skalski in their face. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with the team. Like, I, I like so if that's what it was, that's dumb. But, like, I think Skalski just has a little too much you-know-what in his system and took it out the wrong way. Um, God, he is Bullware 2.0, by the way. I, uh, I, I, he bothers me. <laughs> he did play phenomenal in that game on Saturday. He was all over the field. We didn't know if he'd be healthy, and I don't know if he was 100%, but damn, he was all over. Anyway, that that did surprise me because I feel like there's been a ton of mutual respect between both programs, arguably too much. Like, Dabo has been gassing up Notre Dame a lot lately, and honestly, I think that Clemson kind of called off the dogs in the second half so that Notre Dame would get in the playoff. Like, is that crazy to think? Dabo has been... Really, really talking up Notre Dame. Clemson only scored 10 points in the second half. They could have scored more. And, you know, he voted Notre Dame three in the, his final coaches poll. And it does make Clemson a little bit better if Notre Dame is as good as he says because that's their only loss this season. It makes Clemson look a little bit better. It makes the ACC look a little bit better. So now, as a known Dabo hater, am I supposed to like Dabo Sweeney? Because if I do, that just makes this even worse. No, 
<laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm free to not like them. No, okay. I, I, I have no idea if they toned it back or what. Like, to be honest, I was so checked out that I was there, but like, I just didn't even really pick up on that. <laughs> so if they did, then sweet. Um, if they didn't, sweet. But doesn't matter. Um, they're really good. That's pretty much all I got, and I still don't like them. <laughs> all right. Well, that makes you feel a little bit better. Okay, here's my top five. I got Bama 2012 because, I mean, that was a national championship. And I was naive enough when I was, what, uh, 16 years old to think that Notre Dame actually had a chance and I believed in the season of destiny. The spread in that game was 10 and a half. And I remember thinking that was a ton. And now we're, what, like 20 and a half? Playoff history. It's the largest in playoff history. Sick. We are plus 630 to win a playoff game. That's impressive. What was Washington? That's embarrassing. We're bigger underdogs than Washington was back yeah, then. Yeah, let me let me pull it up actually. Washington in twenty sixteen was thirteen. Here here we go. In order. Uh here's actually here's Bama's point spreads in every CFP semifinal game. Twenty fourteen, minus nine against Ohio State. Of course they lost that game. That was minus nine? Wow. Twenty fifteen, minus ten against number three oh, Michigan State. Twenty sixteen, minus thirteen. 2017, minus three against Clemson. 2018, minus 13 and a half against Oklahoma. And now, minus 19 and a half. That's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, that was a national championship, and I was so, so excited in the pregame. And that was the thing. Like, that was the last game of the season, so I think that stung a little bit more. Yeah. And like I said, I was naive enough to think that we were sort of playing on an even playing field. We certainly were not. Um, second, I, I think Clemson 2018 is right up there just because it was a playoff game and that season was so fun. And uh, we didn't yet know how good Clemson was because that year Alabama was considered the super team that no one had a chance of beating. Clemson, at the time, you know, Lawrence is a true freshman quarterback. The, like no true freshman ever won a national championship up until that point. You know, we really thought we had a chance there. Nope, that game was just a disaster. Then followed it up with this year, Clemson 2020. And so that covers all my postseason games. Then we go back in time a little bit to uh, UConn in 2009, senior oh, day. Geez. That's going way back. But that the was ghost the, of Jasper Howard. Yeah, that's going to be fourth for me. Um, and then fifth, this is kind of a dark horse, Georgia 2019. Um, even though that was a super fun day and it was a much closer game, that could have been, like if Notre Dame caps that off, that would have been probably the best day of my life. So... <laughs> Being that close, and that was the first time I traveled with College Game Day, and I was just like on no hours of sleep, but the day was just so amazing, having so much fun. Notre Dame's close, and they have a chance to win it at the end, and I got, I did not want to let my hopes get up too high, and then they were as high as they could possibly be, only to be just struck down and ripped apart by reality. But So I'll throw that in at number five with this one coming in uh, at number three. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I was not expecting a UConn reference, but that one was pretty bad. Um, there's just been so damn many of them, to be honest with you. I know. It's a lot easier to pick the worst five than the best five. If yeah. That sucks. That's, that's an episode for another day. I'm not feeling positive enough to do this. Um, I'm sorry if this one loses us a lot of listeners because you guys <laughs> have had the, the fortune of only hearing us after wins. But, like, imagine what we were like on Saturday night. And tonight's Monday night, okay? Like, I'd like to think I've somewhat calmed down by then. But, um, yeah, it's uh, 
it's not all uh, wine and roses, folks. It's not all, and except uh, I don't know. We got to figure out where to go from here. <laughs> we do, and it's funny though. This is the first time we've done it uh, after a loss. At least the first one we've released to the public. I don't know. Did we do want a practice one after the mission game last year, or we just like struck with silence for a solid week? I don't feel like we did. If we did, I don't remember it. Yeah, um, I blacked I, it out. <laughs> yeah, that night was terrible. But I don't know. I do want to do one positive thing. Um, one good thing did happen this weekend. As you mentioned, Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa did win the Buckus Award uh, as the nation's top linebacker. That's a pretty incredible accomplishment. He's the third Notre Dame player to do that following Jalen Smith and Manti Teo. He also won ACC Defensive Player of the Year. So hats off to Wu. Um, we'll still celebrate Wu Wednesdays this week um, and every week as long as he's wearing a Notre Dame uniform, which is probably only going to be uh, one more game because he needs to get in the NFL. He needs to start getting paid for what he does. But, yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to him. Uh, Brian Kelly, our boy, won ACC Coach of the Year. You were a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, and, like, not because I'm one of the crazy people after that game that thought Kelly should be fired because, believe me, they were out there. Um, but mostly just because, like, I thought there were a couple guys in the ACC that probably deserved it a bit more, like, and I hate Dave Doreen. Like, I think he's one of the whiniest coaches in college football. But the fact that NC State went 8-3 and three this year I thought was pretty impressive because there is no talent on that roster whatsoever. <laughs> and frankly, like, yeah, I know Miami got blown out by NC State last week, but I thought Manny Diaz did a pretty good job there this year as well and and seems to be building that program up a bit. Um, but still, congrats to Coach Kelly on ACC Coach of the Year, and it is pretty funny that we'll have that in our mantle yeah. in his one year in the league. Yeah, so he gets that. And then we got some first-team players in the All-ACC team. Uh, Liam Eikenberg, Tommy Kramer, and Aaron Banks in the line. Uh, Uwusu Kormo on defense as well as Kyle Hamilton, you know, the usual suspects. Second team, Kyron Williams, Robert Hainsey, Jarrett Patterson, Nick McLeod. So congrats to all of them. Pretty hilarious that the entire offensive line either made first or second team All-ACC. Yeah, and I mean, Patterson probably should have made first team in my opinion. I know he got hurt and missed a couple games, but he was he up would there. Have. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous that it pretty much could have been an all-off Notre Dame offensive line on the uh, on All-ACC. But definitely congrats to those guys, and um, we'll see where we can go with this from here. Um, you know, maybe maybe we can actually be the Monstars and steal Alabama's football talent from them. Um, I don't know if we can figure <laughs> that, that out somehow, but we got about nine days. Yeah, if you guys have any ideas – Tweet us or hit us up on Instagram at Sense of Sad Irish because we're going to need all the positive juju we can get. But that's about all I got for this one. Next week will be a little bit more positive. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, um, maybe, you know, the Christmas spirit will, uh, will get me feeling more positive about our chances. And once I have my flight book, then I'm sure I'll really be trying to talk myself into this. But for now, uh, Merry Christmas, go Irish, and uh, we'll figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely all right thank you all for listening to this episode of sons of saturday a tough one but like we said we'll be back next tuesday to do a little game preview for the rose bowl semifinal against alabama until then wish you all a very merry christmas and we'll talk